Amen. I'd like for you to take God's word with me this evening, please, and turn to two books. Let's begin with 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and then we'll go to the book of Psalms. But uh, we are approaching the Lord's table this evening, and in just a few moments we'll gather around the Lord's table as we refer to it and partake of the bread and drink from the cup. Now, most of us know the meaning of those two symbols, the bread and the cup, the bread being symbolizing the body of Christ. We read in 1 Corinthians 11, the apostle Paul quoting the words of Jesus. When he had given thanks, he break it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And again, in verse number 25, after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Can you turn me up just a little bit there, Andy? What is the meaning behind the bread and the cup? These two elements, I believe, speak so much more than what we sometimes consider. And tonight, for a few moments, I want us to consider the cup. I want you to turn with me to the book of Psalms, Psalms chapter 75, please. We just read a moment ago, Jesus, Paul was quoting the words of Jesus, and he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. What was that cup? What is it that the cup should remind us of? Because we're told this do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. What should the cup remind us of? The first thing that often comes to our mind is his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ with which washes away all our sins. Yes, that's part of it. But. What did Christ's blood do? Because he said, this is the New Testament in my blood. What did the blood of Jesus Christ accomplish? Psalm 75, I want you to look at this chapter with me. Not a very long chapter, but let's look together beginning in verse 1. Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks Unto thee do we give thanks, for that thy name is near, thy wondrous works declare. When I shall receive the congregation, I will judge uprightly. The earth and all the inhabitants thereof are dissolved. I bear up the pillars of it, Selah. I said unto the fools, deal not foolishly. And to the wicked, lift not up the horn. Lift not up your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck, for promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west, but nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is full of mixture. And he poureth out the same, but the dregs thereof, all the wicked of the earth shall wring them out and drink them. But I will declare forever, 
I will sing praises to the God of Jacob. All the horns of the wicked also will I cut off, but the horns of the righteous shall be exalted. Verse number eight, the scriptures say, in the hand of the Lord, there is a cup. Notice who's speaking in this chapter. Most commentators agree that this is the Lord Jesus Christ himself speaking. Verse number one, he says, unto thee, speaking to the Father, O God, do we give thanks? Unto thee, do we give thanks? For that thy name is near, thy wondrous works declare. And in verse two, when I shall receive the congregation, I will judge uprightly. And again in verse three, the earth and all the inhabitants thereof are dissolved. I bear up the pillars of it. I bear up the pillars of the earth, meaning if Christ Jesus should be moved or when he decides to move, then all the earth shall crumble. He's speaking, the Lord Jesus is speaking prophetically in chapter 75 of the coming day of judgment, of the day that he will come and cut the horns of the wicked off when all those who exalt themselves shall be laid low. But the scriptures tell us, he tells us that when he comes, there will be something in his hand, a cup. Now consider verse number eight. In the hand of the Lord, there is a cup. And who is the cup for? The wine is red. It's full of mixture. He poureth out the same, but the dregs thereof, all the wicked of the earth shall wring them out and drink them. The cup is for the wicked. All the wicked of the earth. And in this tent tonight, would you look this way? There are only two kinds of people. The wicked and the righteous. There's nothing else. The wicked or the righteous. And the righteous are only righteous because they have been given the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ, his son. If you do not have the righteousness of Christ imputed unto you, then you don't have any righteousness at all. I don't care how good you think you are. If you do not have his righteousness, you have no righteousness except self-righteousness, which is no righteousness at all. It's actually wickedness in deception. I wonder this evening, which are you? The righteous because you have received of his righteousness or the wicked. And when Christ comes, he tells us in this chapter that he's coming with a cup in his hand and you will drink it. If you are the wicked. Because when Christ Jesus returns, his day of salvation will have ended. When the Lord Jesus returns, his chance, your chance to be converted will be over. When he returns, the door that now stands widely open will be eternally shut. Do not lie to yourself and imagine by the way, that God is too good to ever send you to hell. Some people talk like that. 
Some people think, well, God is a good God and a merciful God, and he'll, he won't send anyone to hell. But we read in his word, Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse number 4, Behold, all souls are mine as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. We're told in Psalm chapter 7, verse number 11 and 12, God judgeth the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow. He hath made it ready. He hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. Psalm chapter 11 and verse number 6 and 7. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. We're told in Psalm 21 and verse number 9. Psalm 21 and verse number 9. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven. In the time of thine anger, the Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. Again, in the New Testament, in the book of Romans chapter 2, some people imagine that because Jesus has not returned, and they have no troubles for all of their sins, then they think they're going to be okay. But in Romans 2 verse number 5, after thy hardness, verse number 4, despisest thou the riches of his goodness? And forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Meaning, do you not understand the reason that God has been merciful to you and the reason he hasn't dealt with you according to your sins is because he's trying to lead you to repent? But after thy hardness and impenitent or unrepentant heart, you are treasuring up, treasurous up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. One more verse in Revelation chapter 14, a very interesting verse. In verse number 9, the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. That's the cup when Jesus returns, which shall be given to every wicked person on the earth. Think about that for a moment, a cup that speaks of a measured out portion there's a cup for you and a cup for you and there's your cup. Every time we sit down for a meal, especially if we have something to drink besides water, the children are delighted to get their cup, their portion. 
And if we have one jug of juice, then it is carefully poured out, measured out equally to every child. They get their own portion. That's exactly what we come to understand about the cup that shall be given to every wicked person. In Psalm 11, verse number 6, it says, Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. You have your own tonight if you have not accepted the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you have not repented of your sins and believed on the Savior and taken his righteousness to be yours, then there is a cup waiting you. There is a cup awaiting you and it is perfectly divided out a portion that is yours. In Psalm 16 and verse number 5, it says the same thing. But the Lord is the portion of my inheritance. Think about the difference. You can either have a portion of God's wrath or a portion of God himself. Oh, how foolish we are to remain in our sin and take rather a portion of God's wrath than have a portion of God himself. Perfectly measured out, deliberately, fairly considered, you'll get exactly what you deserve. Some people think God is unfair. God is perfectly righteous, perfectly just. You will not get one drop more of his wrath than what you deserve. But believe me, my friend, we will get what we deserve perfectly measured out and in our text in psalm 75 in verse number eight it says in the hand of the lord there is a cup and the wine is red in revelation 16 verse number 19 it ref- it talks about this cup and the wine of the fierceness of his wrath think for a moment in the eastern part of the world the red wine is the strongest wine So when we read that in that cup is the wine is red, we understand it's the strongest that could be given you. It represents the full concentration of the wrath of God. No mixture, no watering it down, no diluting it, no making it a little bit easier to take. The fullness of his wrath is measured out in that cup. And we're told in in the same verse, it is full of mixture. No, not mixture of water. It means that the wine's natural qualities have been strengthened. It has been given more intensity. What is in the cup? What is mixed with God's wrath? Andrew Bonner once wrote about this thought and he gave a list of things that could be in that cup mixed with the wrath of God and he suggested that righteousness would be mixed in it so that on that day you would dare not say that this is too great a punishment for me for you would know full well that you were getting what you deserved but not just that mercy and love would be mixed in it because you would remember on that day that God dealt with you in mercy and salvation was indeed offered to you although you rejected it. He suggested that omnipotence would be mixed in the cup because there would be nothing you could do about it. 
eternity would be added into the mixture of that cup because you would never be able to escape the wrath of Almighty God. Truth would be added into it because you will remember the words that God wrote in his word prophesying of this coming day. Words that you ignored. Conscience would be added to the cup. Knowing in your own mind you deserve every bit of it, every drop. Memory would be there. You would remember every opportunity that God gave you to repent. And every time you turned your back on Jesus Christ, that memory would haunt you for the rest of eternity. It would be added to the cup. Your sin would not be taken away, but no, it would actually increase as you drank the cup. And your passions would not be quenched, but they would rage, but with no satisfaction. Yes, that cup is full, we're told, full of mixture. There is a cup and the wine is red. It is full of mixture. What a terrible cup. But there's more. There's more. The scriptures say the dregs thereof, all the wicked of the earth shall wring them out. Not only do you have the wine that is red in the cup, but there are dregs that lie at the bottom unnoticed tonight. Things you don't even know, things you've never heard of, things you've never seen before, and they're the worst, they're the bitterest. Hidden woes not yet thought of. Perhaps something like the verse, that it would be better had I never been born. And the scriptures say, all the wicked of the earth shall wring them out and drink them and this cup the sight of this cup is enough to make us vomit it's enough to make us turn in fear the scriptures say the wicked must drink it the cup will not just be put there to look at it must be drunk and tonight, if this is you, if you still are unconverted, if you are still in your sins, then you will not be able to run on that day. There'll be no escape. There'll be no excuse. You will drink it. And it'll take eternity to drink it. Now, if I stopped here tonight, all of us would go home dreadfully heavy-hearted but all of these things have been written all of these things about the wrath of God all of these things that warn us about the fierceness of his wrath even the things in the book of revelation that talk about the cup of his indignation even these things that talk about being tormented with fire and brimstone all of these things have been written so that you would run away from it all of these things were described so clearly and vividly and terribly. Not so that, so that we would uh, hang our head in dread, but rather so that you would turn and run far, as far away from it as you possibly can. But you might ask the question, where should we run? Because we read in the book of Revelation on that day, they'll want to run, but they can't run. They'll want to hide, but they can't hide. They'll cry to the hills and the mountains, fall on us and cover us. But even the mountains and the hills shall run away and leave you standing with nothing and nowhere to hide. So if we can't hide, run to the mountains and hills to hide, then where can we go? To whom shall we run? To the only one 
who has ever drunk this cup to the dregs, drank it all, and lived. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. The most amazing thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he took all that you deserve. It's a humbling thought. It's a terrible thought to think of people like Cain who have been drinking from the cup of God's wrath for 6,000 years now. It's a terrible thought to think about someone like Judas who has been drinking from the cup of God's wrath for 2,000 years and still has not reached the bottom. Think of the fallen angels who continue to drink. Think of people like Friedrich Nietzsche and others who have blasphemed the name of God and lived their lives to, to prove, to try to prove that God does not exist. Still drinking tonight. But there is one who has taken the cup, tasted the cup, drunk of the cup, wrung out all the bitterest of the last of the bitter dregs and arose victorious. Jesus Christ. Jesus knew he had to drink it. There are several times in the New Testament that he told his disciples and they had no idea probably what he was speaking of. But in Matthew 20 and verse number 22, Jesus said, "Ye know, know not what you asked. Do you remember what he, he said to James and John who wanted to sit at his right hand and left hand in the kingdom? He said, "Ye know not what you ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? He knew there was a cup that he had to drink of. And John chapter 18, the Lord Jesus refers again to this coming day when he would have to drink this cup. And John 18 and verse number 11, put up thy sword, he said to Peter, into the sheath, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? The thought of that cup made Jesus Christ sweat, drape, grop drops of great drops of blood in the garden the very thought of it and on that next day the Lord Jesus hanging on the cross drank all of it and perhaps those three hours of darkness was when Jesus was wringing out the dregs of that cup and when the last drop had touched his tongue and he had drank it all he cried with a loud voice it is finished. And tonight, the Lord Jesus turns to you and he offers you tonight an empty cup. A cup that has been drunk already. A cup that has been finished to the last drop. A cup that needs nothing else except for you to take it. And the question tonight is, will you take it? Will you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Will you accept his finished work? In Psalm 116, this was a passage I think I told you before, the first chapter I ever memorized after God saved me. But in Psalm 116, verse 12, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? 
I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Will you take it tonight? And do not think that God needs your tears and your sorrow to be added to that cup. There's nothing more offensive to Jesus Christ than for you to think that you've got to add something to the work he has already finished. It is enough. It is finished. The only cup that pleases almighty God is an empty cup. Not a cup that is stained or wet with your tears. But a cup that has been drank and emptied because Jesus him, himself has finished it. Will you take it tonight? Will you receive the gift of salvation tonight? Will you acknowledge that Jesus paid it all and all to him you owe? Will you acknowledge that you cannot drink the cup? You can either take the empty cup or wait and take the full cup of God's wrath, which will take all eternity for you to drink. The choice is yours. There's nothing left to be done except to choose whether you take the empty cup that Jesus finished or the full cup of God's wrath that you will never finish. Which will you do tonight? Have you taken already the cup that's empty? If you have, then hold tightly to it. If you've already taken it, then, then like the psalmist say, I will take the cup of salvation. Hold it up. I'll call upon the name of the Lord. I'll pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Cling tightly, visit and revisit the empty cup and remind yourself what Christ Jesus has drank up for you. If you've already taken the empty cup, then hold tightly to it until you see the face of the one who drank it up already. But some of you tonight are still lost. You are still amongst the wicked. And it might be that amongst the rest of the world, you don't look too bad but the fact that you still have not taken the cup that Christ has offered you means you are still dead in your sins. And I do not know how much time we have left before the Lord Jesus returns. So please, tonight, take the cup. Bow your knee in humility. Acknowledge Jesus Christ has died for you. What a marvelous thought. That all that we deserve, Jesus Christ has taken. Willingly. Have you taken the Savior? The Bible says in the book of John, to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Have you received the Lord Jesus? If so, then you will be able to say, as we read a moment ago in Psalm chapter 11 and verse verse number Verse number five, that, that he is the portion of your cup. Pardon me, Psalm 16 and verse number five. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Isn't that amazing? That instead of taking the cup of God's wrath, you can take the cup of God himself. You have Christ. He will be your portion. 
instead of drinking of God's wrath for all eternity, you can drink of the goodness of Jesus Christ for all eternity. Now in a moment, we're going to take of the cup, which will remind us of what Christ drank up for us. And that in the shedding of his blood, he took our place and drank it all up. We sing sometimes, that bitter cup love drank it up and there's no drop for me. What a thought. I wonder tonight, have you taken the cup of salvation? If not, will you tonight? Will you come to Jesus Christ tonight? Would you bow your head with me in prayer? Father in heaven, we know as much as we try to make excuse, as much as we try to justify ourselves, we know that in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. That without Jesus Christ, we are condemned already. We are doomed, as it were, without the Savior, without grace, without mercy. We are eternally damned. But Father, we thank Thee for Jesus Christ, who took the cup that I deserve and drank it all, who took the cup of Thy wrath and drank it all for me. Oh, Father, I thank Thee. I praise Thee for Jesus Christ, for the work that He accomplished on the cross of Calvary, when he drank that bitter cup for us. And God, I pray tonight for the one who is still, still dead in their sins. Tonight, Lord, help them to take that empty cup. The one that Christ Jesus drank for them. And save their soul, we pray. Help us as thy children to hold tightly to that cup. Reminding ourselves of what Jesus Christ has done for us and reminding ourselves that we must pay our vows now in the land of the living before thee, Lord. Help us, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.